Good morning, Riv. What's up, everyone? So, uh, if you don't know me already, my name is Hezekiah. I'm one of the pastoral residents here at Riv. Um, And uh, I can't lie, um, last week I had my meeting with Pastor Noel. Uh, Since I'm a resident, I got these weekly check-in meetings. And um, I knew I had this uh, section of Colossians that I had to teach on. And, uh, you know, what you just heard, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And and I remember telling him, like, what the heck, you know, like, how do I teach on this section, right? Um, Everybody else gets these cool, you know, passages that they teach on. And uh, and I just got the intro, right? And uh, it's a prayer, right? Like, it's like the introductory section of an email. That's what I'm, that's what I'm teaching on. And I told him, I, you know, I've never taught on the opening of, of a letter before. And honestly, because it's just not attractive. You know, like I said, it's the intro of a book. And um, it's like teaching on a genealogy, you know, like just nobody likes that. Uh, but of course, you know, as the mentor and uh, my boss, he is, um, he told me that there's, there's actually so much in this passage uh, that I could teach on and it's just full of so much. And at first I was like, you know, of course, you've been teaching for like 80 years, right? Um, like, just look at his beard. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, but I'm the new guy, right? Like, uh, but he, he did give me some good advice, I have to say. And, uh, and as I studied, I found that we just have to take uh, this section of scripture for what it is. It is what it is. It's an introductory prayer from Paul to the church of Colossae. And honestly, I'm glad that I got a chance to study this because uh, even as someone who is teaching uh, the word and someone who's in leadership positions, even I can overlook and diminish um, prayer, right, and the importance of prayer. Uh, So I was reminded while studying that scripture is actually uh, really important, (laughs) You know, it's, it, there's a reason why the Bible talks a lot about prayer. And, uh, and I believe that this prayer uh, from Paul to this church of Colossae can actually teach us a lot. Um, changed my mind about it, right? Uh, now, first, we, we have to understand uh, that this is not Paul intentionally providing us uh, with some sort of systemic um, teaching on how to properly pray. Right? Uh, this isn't like the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't say, you have to pray like this. Um, Paul is not telling us that we have to pray like this. But this is, however, a powerful model of prayer that I feel like we can learn a lot from. Uh, so let's dive in. If you got your Bibles, you can open it to uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And you might remember from last week that Paul uh, was writing this letter uh, to the church at Colossae. Uh, which was this like has-been city, right? It used to be big at one point. And uh, he started off this letter with uh, talking that he got news from this dude named Epaphras, right, who was probably their pastor and gave him good news, you know, put in a good word for them. Uh, And so this is the next thing that uh, he writes to them. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Now, remember the we here, as we learned last week, is not just Paul, but Timothy, Timothy, which is his uh, protege. 
so Paul and Timothy are praying this prayer for them. Uh, he goes on saying, we are asking that you may be filled uh, with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, this is a loaded statement. Uh, Paul and Timothy are praying to this, to this church uh, in Colossae uh, that they be filled with the knowledge uh, and, and not just any knowledge, but this knowledge uh, uh, of his will. Whose will? God's will, right? Easy, yeah. This guy up here got it. Uh, notice that it says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Right? Now let's stop here for a moment. We have, we have to remember that Paul here is not just praying for uh, an individual person. He's praying for the church of Colossae. Uh, verse 4 tells us uh, he is writing this to all the saints. Now, what I love about this is this knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding is not just limited to church leaders. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I don't know. I don't like that responsibility. Uh, because if that was the case, Paul would have started this letter and addressed it to the leaders of this church. But he, instead, he, he said to all the saints, this is to all you guys. This is why I'm praying for all of you all. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I believe that uh, uh, the position of leadership in the church, pastorship, uh, it has a special and serious uh, responsibility, um, but this prayer is not directed towards them. It's directed to the whole church. Um, in fact, uh, James says that many teachers shouldn't be teachers, uh, in, in the book of James, because those who teach the world will be judged more harshly. So it's a serious thing to teach. And then there's also a whole list of qualifications of what it, what it is to be an elder in the church, you know? Um, be, uh, and, and why is that? Is because leaders carry a lot of responsibility, uh, you know? Um, now, I don't think that this truth in prayer is somehow diminishing the role uh, of pastors or leaders, like I said. Uh, instead, I think it's just a reminder that this responsibility, this um, knowledge of God's will uh, is not just for leaders in the church because it's for all believers. Now, Hezekiah, are you suggesting that there are some sort of spiritual responsibilities for me, even though I'm not a leader in the church? Yes, yes, I am. I am suggesting that, and don't fight me because this is uh, present elsewhere in Scripture. It's not just here in Colossians. I think, I think that's the case uh, because it, it could be easy for us who are not in a leadership position to just throw all that responsibility of our spiritual walk onto the leaders of the church. And this is why we see a lot of manipulation and abuse in the body of Christ, right? Uh, it, because we can be too dependent on them and not God and his will for all of us. Jesus himself says in John 7, anyone uh, who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own because whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth and there is nothing false about him. 
You see, part of why Paul is uh, uh, writing this letter to the church at Colossae is because there were different false teachers coming in and teaching things contrary to the gospel that he was trying to spread. And even though Epaphras uh, uh, may have given, given him good news about this church, uh, he probably also told Paul about their struggles and worries as well that they were dealing with. Uh, and we know this because Paul addresses this uh, later on in this letter. And, uh, you know, as we'll see, you know, to be continued, right? Uh, so I think the reason he puts this line in this prayer specifically and why he addresses the church as a whole and not just the leaders uh, is because he knows there is spiritual manipulation going on from these false teachers coming in. And some members in the church are probably just taking everything at face value from these false teachers. And instead of taking responsibility and walking in this new life God has called them to, uh, you know, they, they trust uh, in these false teachers and what they say. Uh, so Paul, I believe Paul's praying this, that they be filled, that they all be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, uh, you know, because of this. And as we see, there are some standards that he expects from this church. Uh, he continues with his prayer, uh, the second half. He says, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. You might be thinking, uh, what does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing him? Um, it sounds intimidating. To me, it sounds intimidating, right? Um, but as we'll see, this is the start of a very long sentence. I mean, it's a really long sentence. I mean, most of these verses is just one sentence uh, that Paul gives to help explain what that might look like. He actually gives them four different examples uh, so he doesn't just leave them hanging about guessing what, is the, what does it mean to walk worthy. Uh, here's the first example. It's, it's bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. So to walk worthy, I have to bear fruit in every good work. Now, I find it interesting that he starts this list of what it means to walk worthy with an action, uh, but we see that he attaches a clause to it. In order to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, you don't just do good works. He didn't pray that they just do good works. No, he says bearing fruit in every good work. He is praying that uh, they bear good fruit in all the good works that they do. Because he knows that anyone can do good works. Philanthropists do good works. Atheists can do good works. It's not that works are a bad thing, uh, but what Paul might be trying to give an example of here is that good works should be with a purpose. They should bear fruit in every good work. Okay, so how do we know uh, that we are bearing fruit in these good works? What is this fruit that he's talking about? Well, he goes on to say, which is part of the second example he gives for walking worthy. Uh, he says, in growing in the knowledge of God. Without growing in the knowledge of God, it'll be hard for us to distinguish what good works actually are. <laughs> what does scripture say about good works? Um, what does scripture say about bearing fruit? It's in there. 
I'm not going to go through all the examples, but it's in there. (laughs) So growing in our knowledge of God will help guide us in these things and help us to distinguish what good works and bearing uh, fruit in these good works really means. Uh, So Paul then goes on to say, again, a part of the same big, long sentence. uh, In his third example, walking worthy, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Now, it might be easy uh, to look past this one, uh, but really look at what it says. You mean to tell me that God wants uh, me, wants this church to be strengthened with all power? Yeah, that's what Paul says. That's what he's praying Now, I understand that a lot of us may have had bad experiences with uh, some people who may have abused power, uh, whether it's in a workplace setting, in a school setting, or even in the church. Uh, But it's pretty clear here that the specific use of power we have experienced in those places is not the power talked about here. Because the statement attached says, according to his glorious might, God's glorious might. You see, as Christians, because people misuse things so often and take scripture out of context uh, a lot (laughs) for their own personal gain, we tend to go overboard and take the complete opposite side. So we start to unintentionally create our own theology on certain neutral topics. Uh, For example, we take scriptures like the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And because we see so many prosperity preachers uh, misusing this verse uh, so people could give them money, uh, in our minds, we, we start to associate money with being evil. And, and so we start to preach a new gospel, again, from good intentions, uh, but we create a new theology that says no Christian should have money. We should all just have the bare minimum, uh, run away from any kind of money, be poor, basically. But that's not what scripture teaches us about money. Scripture actually teaches us that uh, we just need to steward our money wisely and not to make it an idol in our lives. It should be a resource uh, and and that's it. This doesn't mean that God wants us to be poor out here on the streets living paycheck to paycheck. Because guess what? Even a poor person uh, uh, can still love money and make it an idol in their lives. God just, wants, God just doesn't want uh, uh, our life, our trust, our goals to be wrapped up in money. Uh, but money and finances are not inherently uh, bad themselves. And I bring this example up because the same thing goes for this view on power, right? Uh, because we've seen people abuse power and take advantage of people, uh, uh, naturally we think, stay away from power, Right? Power bad. But here Paul prays that they are strengthened not just with power, but with all power. Why? Because this power is not the world's view of power. It's completely different. And it's not used the way the world uses power. How do I know this by the next sentence or the statement? Uh, So that you may have great endurance and patience. The purpose you are to be strengthened uh, by God is so that you can have great endurance and patience. Why? Because God knows life is hard. 
right? Sin is real. Paul knows sin is real and life is hard. And to get through, we need to be dependent on God's strength. We can't do it alone. That's what Paul's saying. You can't do this alone. And and, uh, and counting on God and depending on him in this, it, it will help us to endure all that life has to throw at us. And it will help us to be patient and trust in him in, situation, uh, uh, in situations that feel like the world is falling apart and collapsing on us. We need all of his strength to get through. Power is not bad. It is in the context of where power comes from and how, we, how it's used, which can make it a bad thing. It should be in the context of what God wants it to be used for. And this is why Paul prays in 2 Corinthians, uh, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. And I can boast in that weakness. Why? Because it is not any strength of our own, right, that gets us through. Paul knew that it is only Christ, through Christ, that we can be strengthened. And this is the context of power talked about here. Now, Paul ends with this fourth description of what it means to walk worthy. He says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Now, I've been going to church for a very long time, since like before I was born. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my grandpa got saved a long time ago, um, became a pastor. My dad followed in his footsteps, became a pastor before I was born. That's why I said before I was born. Um, eventually, uh, you know, like I said, my dad followed him. So I grew up in church, right? Um, and since I'm the oldest son, I remember specifically this time when I was like 16 years old, uh, where I had went out to breakfast with my dad one-on-one. And uh, he asked me this question. He said, uh, so son, do, do you think that you'll become a pastor and take over uh, the church one day just like I did? You know, and I, I thought for a second, like, okay. And, you know, of, of course, at this time, you know, I love Jesus. Uh, I was already faithfully serving uh, in ministry at our church already in a lot of different capacities. So, you know, of course, I, I was like, no, absolutely not. You know, right? <laughs> You know, but here I am, you know, I, I guess. He just couldn't run away from it, I guess. But anyways, the reason I said no to him uh, it was because I saw what he had to go through on a daily basis as a pastor. Now, I give credit to my mom and dad uh, for not letting ministry affect our at-home lives, which is not always the case for PKs, pastor's kids. You didn't know that uh, phrase. Um, but I did see uh, uh, that it took a toll on him. And, um, and honestly, most of it was because of people. And I'm going to be honest, y'all, uh, and excuse my language, but people suck. <laughs> I don't know if you were aware of that. Uh, so, so, you know, so the reason I answered no was because, you know, of course, I knew that being a pastor was all about shepherding people. It was, it was about uh, discipling them, being there in their low moments, celebrating their high moments uh, uh, in their accomplishments, and, and just being there to love on them. It's all about people. 
That's why a lot of pastors quit. And honestly, at that age, when I was 16, I didn't want that. I had just started reading my Bible for real. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm an introvert. You know, I would rather be at home by myself with my wife and my two sons, Snoopy and Louie, who are dogs. Uh, it may, you know, it may sound negative uh, that I didn't want to work with people, but now, but as I grew in God and started reading scripture, I actually truly started to love people. And I'm positive that it's not, it was not by my own strength or my own personality because everything in me was against it. But he has enabled me to love on people. Uh, and, the mo- and the more I grow in his word and understanding in his will, the more I want others to hear about this gospel. When I see p- videos of people committing their lives to Christ, I get emotional because I, because I know it's something that can and will change their lives. And now I have this desire and patience that is beyond worldly conception because of God and God alone. And you know what? I'm able to do it joyfully. You guys are probably thinking like, dang, he hates us? No, <laughs> no, I'm able to do this joyfully. Uh, my whole position and heart has changed because I know why and who I'm doing it for. I know that's what kept my grandpa and my dad in faithful in ministry for so many years. And you know why I'm able to do it joyfully and not, you know, out of spite or obligation is... Because this next little line he adds in here, Paul uses the the word enabled. He he acknowledges that the Father has enabled us. Now, some of us hear that word enable, and we automatically cringe, right? Like, enable. Why? Because culture teaches us that that's a bad word. Right? We have to work hard, right? We, gotta, we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We, we can't depend on nobody, right? All I got is me. Kids who are enabled are spoiled. Adults who are enabled are lazy. But not in Christ. In Christ, he, Paul is saying you are enabled. And it's exactly what it sounds like. I'm sure Paul puts that word in there because he talks about all these things. Like I said, all all these things of what it means to walk worthy. These four examples that we just read. And and so I'm sure he had to remind them that this inheritance uh, that God has promised for them, it's not predicated on anything that they could ever do. But it's predicated on Jesus and the work on the cross alone. All these things that he gives an example of are products of being in Christ. I'm sure he adds this word enable because natural human instincts will put too much weight on these examples that he gives. And by this point of the prayer, we learn what the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual uh, understanding is. It's It's what God has done through Jesus. We're able to do all of these things. We're able to walk worthy because of Jesus. Because we know who he is and what he's done. And I love how he he ends this prayer. Colossians 1, 13 through 14, he says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness 
and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul ends this prayer over this church by reminding them of what God has done. Remembering. Do you know uh, that God tells his people in the Bible to remember like hundreds of times? You know, how they need to remember him and where he brought them from? You'll see the example of the Exodus story uh, just told over and over and over again, not just in the Old Testament, even into the New Testament. Why? Because God knows that we forget really easily. Like I said, I grew up in church and I I see it all the time and I often have to catch myself sometimes uh, uh, from falling because I so easily forget this. Uh, uh, Because I, like most people, have been taught our whole lives that being more spiritual is based on our actions and what we have to do. Uh, If you have a Bible or even the Bible app, you know, if you guys, hopefully you guys have some sort of Bible. Uh, (laughs) This section in scripture that this prayer from Paul is titled in most Bibles, Prayer for Spiritual Growth. Yet notice how everything Paul prays here is nothing that is predicated on what any individual can do on their own strength. He ends with reminding them that they are enabled in the prayer. Because you see, we get saved, uh, uh, we accept Jesus into our hearts, and it's all so simple until people start getting into our ears, until the world starts getting into our ears, or even ourselves get into our own heads. And, and, uh, and then we start thinking, well, you know, I'm here now, now I, now I must have to sustain myself in this, Right? Then we get caught up in doing good works, all because that's what we have to do. That's that's what we think that we have to do in order to maintain our salvation, instead of remembering that we are enabled, and that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's grace, because it is freely given, free 99, right? But this is something that we, uh, as believers, have struggled with uh, since Jesus was on earth. It's what the Pharisees were striving for. It's what the church, this church in Colossae uh, was striving for. It's, it's, what the, uh, it's something that we see today in, in all the strictness and oppressive false theologies in churches around the world. Uh, yet here Paul reminds us in a simple prayer that being more spiritual it's not based on anything we could ever do. It's not based on how often we go to church, I'm sorry, or how, how much we volunteer at the soup kitchen. It's not based on how much we read the Bible or even on how much we pray. No, it's all based on being filled with the knowledge of God's will, which is in Jesus Christ. If you don't got that part first, everything else is just works. And all these things that I just mentioned, reading your Bible and, and, and going to church, all these things are just byproducts when we naturally understand and are in the knowledge of his will. Uh, you know, because when we, 
when we understand and remember what God has done for us, that's when we'll naturally want to read the Bible more. That's when we'll naturally want to talk to him more. Naturally, we'll want to spread this good news to other people because we understand that he has enabled us. And when we truly believe and are genuine in that belief, we will live lives that are worthy uh, uh, in the sight of God because of Jesus. And look at the words he uses in this next section. He says, uh, uh, he has been rescued or he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the light or in the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Now, none of these words that he uses, rescued, transferred, redemption, forgiveness, right? None of these have to do with anything that they could do on their own strength. Am I right? We're rescued. Being rescued means that uh, we had to get saved from something, right? Which means that we were helpless. Paul is reminding us that we were rescued and we didn't save ourselves. We are transferred from the dark, this dark, meaningless life into one with hope and salvation. Again, not because of anything (laughs) that we could ever do ourselves. And we are also redeemed. Redeemed uh, means we are saved, that our debts are paid. We were bought with a price, something we didn't deserve. He redeemed us. And lastly, we are forgiven. Forgiven of our sins. Paul says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. That's what we truly deserved. But thank God uh, that, we, uh, that we serve a God that has forgiven us and, and sees us as righteous through the lens of Christ. I believe Paul ends this prayer with these statements because he knows how easy it is for us for, to forget. And, and, you know, as I said before. And lastly, the last thing I want to point out is in this prayer is that I love how this prayer from Paul had nothing to do with him. It's all about this church body that he prayed for. Um, he didn't bring up any of his own needs in this prayer, right? He, he didn't tell them what he needed or what he wanted uh, in prayer for himself. It's strictly about this church of Colossae that his prayer is written for. And I think oftentimes we could get caught up in praying for ourselves in our own needs and forget to pray for other people. And, uh, and now praying for yourself is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But every now and again, I feel like it is healthy and needed uh, to pray for one another. In this passage, uh, as I said, is a good mile for prayer as it is an example of this. It is, it's an example of uh, a prayer that is selfless, encouraging, uh, filled with remembering who God is and what he's done and how we are rescued, redeemed, and forgiven. And how we are enabled to walk worthy and be fully pleasing to him. And so I'm going to do something a little, little different today. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to pray. And not just pray, but if for the next five minutes, if everyone can stand, and I, or you could sit, however you want to do it. I want us to, 
practice praying for somebody else. So if you want to turn to the person next to you, if you want to uh, go to somebody you don't know or somebody that you already do know, uh, I just want us to get out of our comfort zones for a little bit and actually practice this. So if everybody can get up or, you know, if you want to just turn to your neighbor, we're just going to take some time for prayer. Is that all right? You guys, you guys okay with praying? <laughs> we got no choice now. No <laughs> And I'm going to start praying, and uh, feel free to talk out loud. Feel free to uh, uh, pray in silence with one another. However you want to pray yourself, pray with the person next to you, about the person next to you. God, just thank you, you know, as we pray for these people that are next to us, that, that you fill them with this, uh, the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding so that they can walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And God, I ask that, you, that they just be confident in this walk and confident in knowing that it is not by their strength alone, but it is, it is in you that they have strength. God, I pray for a prayer of remembrance, remembering who God is, what he's done, how he is good and faithful, and, and, and just a father, a father that some of us so desperately need. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you uh, for that we are redeemed, that we are rescued, that we are transferred from this dark world. We see it around us all the time, how dark this world can be. And I thank you that you transferred us from this dark world into your glorious and marvelous light. God, I pray that the bitterness of this world doesn't overtake our hearts and that we continue to remember who you are and what you've done for us. God, I just thank you. I just give, joyfully give thanks for who you are. I thank you for prayer. I thank you that there is a line of communication that I have with you. And I thank you that these prayers are not in vain. I thank you that these prayers are actually important. And I ask that you just touch our hearts that we be able to understand and, and, and remember how important it is to take time to pray to you. Now, as you continue praying, I'm going to ask the band. The band is going to start. And uh, feel free to continue praying. Feel free to join us in worship.